registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. On today's episode, I interview Grayer McGinnis, who is a registered dietitian and certified detox specialist who has over 15 years in the healthcare field working as a dietitian. She is a published researcher with her review on sulforaphane treatment for autism spectrum disorder, yay for broccoli sprouts, and is a proud board member of American Holistic Health Association. She specializes in functional medicine, food sensitivities, detoxing heavy metals, and her primary focus is in pediatrics with high complex cases of children diagnosed with autism and ADHD. Now, Greer found her passion and shares her story about her oldest son who regressed into autism, and now her goal is to change how parents view their children's diagnosis in functional medicine. Today, we talk all about heavy metal detox, bioaccumulation of heavy metals in the body, why it happens, how we can reduce our exposure, what type of testing you can do to find out if you have heavy metals, and some foods that you can incorporate in the diet, and why taking care of your gut is so important when it comes to detoxing. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, Greer. It's great to have you on the episode today talking about heavy metal detox. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this is a topic that I've never talked about, and I know it's incredibly important, and it seems like it's a huge focus of your work. Um, So I figure we could just dive right in and start with uh, why we even accumulate heavy metals in the body. And um, if this is foreign to some people, you know, I think this, this will be an interesting concept for them. Yeah. I love heavy metals. I don't, I, you know, it kind of just something that happened, you know, in my own uh, family and our lifestyle. Um, My son regressed into autism at around 19 months. Um, I've been a registered dietitian for over 15 years and watching my son regress and trying to figure out, you know, kind of what happened. It was like a very big switch, you know, uh, one moment he was completely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next moment, you know, he completely stopped talking. He wouldn't even look at me. He would sit and bang his head against the wall. He would have GI issues. I mean, it was just a, a quick spiral within, you know, a, a short span of time. When I started researching about regressive autism and potential causes, what could have happened, you know, and I I kept stumbling upon all this different types of information, you know, things of toxic load, uh, gut imbalance, heavy metal toxicity. And, you know, my world kind of got turned upside down as a uh, dietitian in that aspect. So I started doing a lot more research. I started, uh, you know, trying to figure out how, you know, testing how I could help my son and I was shocked when I started testing, like all these things started coming back abnormal. And I'm sitting there looking at this going, oh my gosh, like, you know, like, how did I not know? How did this happen? I, you know, I can't believe that, that, that this actually occurs. And when you look at children now in our society, we are what we call bioaccumulating, uh, not just heavy metals, but toxins on a higher, um, you know, level than we ever have before. You know, our our society, unfortunately, is becoming more and more toxic. Our ground, our air, and our children are just absorbing that all in, and they sometimes can't detox them or get rid of those toxins the same way that they accumulate. So bioaccumulation is they are actually accumulating the toxins quicker than they can actually expel them. And you get what we call this toxic load or toxic burden on children and on adults. And with children, it can come about with any type of disorder, ADHD, autism, uh, skin issues, eczema, um, 
poor focus, you know, frustration, aggression, you know, for kids, it's a little bit more like in your face. And for adults, unfortunately, when we tip that balance, we then get the gut more, you know, and it comes out in other things, autoimmune disease, um, and our health just kind of spirals down. So with, you know, bioaccumulation and, and heavy metals, it was just something that I found so fascinating. Like the, the information is still, you know, coming out there, but realizing these kids and these adults are having high levels of all different types of heavy metals and toxins in their system, and they can't figure out how to get rid of them or what to do to get rid of them is kind of where I started my primary focus of, you know, working with adults and kids, you know, in this particular area. Wow. Well, I mean, that's, it's incredible. It's to see, you know, I can't even imagine as a mother, what that was like to go through that experience and um, how motivating it could be to just try to figure that out and, and gain knowledge so that you could take control. Because I know this is definitely not something that, is recognized in the mainstream healthcare. Yeah, it, it, you know, it wasn't talked about when I, you know, I, I was seeing, you know, top neurologists, pediatric, you know, uh, developmental, you know, de- uh, doctors and stuff. And I would show them his lab reports and they would just kind of like roll their eyes and just look at me like, man, like, you know, we don't really understand that stuff. So, and I'm just kind of going, but, but the research is there. We have the research. It's not like there's no studies. It's not like there, there's nobody looking into this. There is research and I'm showing, and I'm literally handing them stacks. You know, I walk in with my folder and I hand them and they just like, look at me and they're like, uh, just put your child on fish oils. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, you know, that only solves part of the problem, but you know, um, you know, it, I just kind of felt as a parent and as the clinician, like, you know, you're supposed to be the top experts. If I'm bringing this information to you and you're not even acknowledging it, then we have a bigger problem because it's not, like I said, it's not like this research isn't here. It's there. I've researched it. I, I've, I've read the, the information. Kids with autism have higher rates of heavy metals than neurotypical kids. They've done research studies where they've looked at cadaver brains from people with autism from age eight to to 40 and found the highest amounts of aluminum pooled in areas of the brain. We have this research and data and they just aren't really looking into it or, or knowing what to do with that information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's great to have people like you in the world who are, you know, standing up and fighting and researching and, um, you know, helping people because without those types of people, then we might not see any progression. And it is unfortunate, you know, you, you hear people all the time. I definitely do. Have, I went to the top doctors and in the, in the, you know, MGH in Boston and, you know, where I'm from. And it's like that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything to me. Um, they're, they're incredible at what they do, I'm sure, but there, there's, there's never a time to say that that is okay. That's where we stop. We get the feedback from those types of people and that's where we settle for, we just don't know, or, you know, there's nothing else that we can do. Yeah. It's, it's very unfortunate that, you know, and I think that's kind of what motivates me is like, you know, there's only a few people in the space that are really diving in and honing in on this particular area. And it's like, okay, well, we need more people to talk about it and to make it present so that they people can find the information that they need. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you're here today. I really appreciate <laughs> you taking the time. Um, so you mentioned, you know, all these different um, issues that can be um, exacerbated or even maybe possibly created by this uh, bioaccumulation of these heavy metals. Um, now, what are some of the most common like heavy metals and why is it so difficult to get rid of these? Or maybe we can just start with the most common heavy metals. Yeah, so typically in my practice, I will see a few different ones. I will see lead. Lead is still a common um, heavy metal that is still around. Unfortunately, kids are still tested typically before they go to school to monitor lead levels. Um, A lot of heavy metals can actually be passed from mother to baby in utero. Um, And that's where we actually, they've, the EWG actually found like 287 different types of toxins that were actually um, passed on from mom to baby in the umbilical cord. So we, we are passing a large amount of toxin load already to our children before they're even coming out and they're born. So that's where a lot of that starts. And then it just kind of 
continues in what I call a snowball effect. So lead is still, unfortunately, one of them. It's still in, in paints and pesticides, um, burning of coal and gas, um, some plumbing. Um, so we still do have a little bit of a lead issue for some, for some kids, of course, and that can still cause a lot of issues. Um, arsenic is a pretty big one too. A lot of that I see in the water supply depending on where the child is located, we'll, we'll run a heavy metal test and um, sometimes we'll double check their ewg.org, um, which is a great website that people can go to to actually see what type of potential contaminants and heavy metals are in their water that they might be drinking. So that one, um, again, is water supply, also seafood, herbicides, uh, shockingly, chicken. Um, the FDA actually only banned this in 2015, where uh, farmers were actually feeding their uh, chickens arsenic in their food because it actually agitated their stomach to eat more. So then they were getting fatter. So that was a big. Huh? I said, oh, geez. I know. <laughs> so like if you went to KFC and got a bucket of chicken, you were basically eating a bucket of arsenic, you know? So um, it, that, that was a big issue for a long period of time. So that only actually just stopped in 2015, but it's still probably a common practice and other, you know, I'm not sure if everyone's going to be following it, but so chicken, you know, I always say, you know, grass fed, anything grass fed is what you want. You don't want them eating pellets of, of, of feed. Um, typically aluminum, I will see a lot of the times as well. Aluminum is, you know, everywhere we cook in aluminum pots and pans and it's our water. Uh, it's in uh, our tin, you know, tinfoil cans, food and stuff like that. So I do see a lot of aluminum, a lot of the times typically in kids as well. Um, what I've been seeing lately too is mercury. I see that a lot. That's in, you know, obviously in fish, um, but also amalgam fillings. Uh, many times when I work with parents, I'll ask if mom has amalgam fillings because a lot of the times that's, you know, it leaches and there's a certain amount that actually leaches in uh, every single day from mom into her own body, let alone, you know, going to kids. So mercury is one of those too, if we're eating a lot of fish um, as well. And one of the newest ones I've been seeing is tellurium, which was really odd for me because, you know, I, I, you know, I've been doing heavy metal testing on kids for quite some time. And, you know, that was not one that was coming up. And then most recently in the past year, um, that one's been coming up more and more. That one's um, related to thermal imaging and infrared um, sensors. So if kids are getting their temperature checked and stuff, those are what they're they're using. So, you know, in kids, we absorb, you know, with heavy metals, we absorb them in three ways, either ingestion, absorption through skin or inhalation. So with kids, because, you know, they can't excrete things as much as they're, you know, uh, absorbing them, that is one that's actually been coming up positive on, on a lot of my kids lately as well. Now, with arsenic, um, you know, I had read some some research on, you know, the levels in like brown rice due to some of the farming practices. Is that something that you've seen in practice? Yeah. So, you know, there there was that whole big scare of like, you know, arsenic and baby food and things like that. It, it's not just baby food. Unfortunately, it's it's most of our food. Our soil is just contaminated. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it in practice, if, if they're taking um, whole foods, uh, potatoes or whatever, to, sweet, sweet potatoes to make baby food and it's coming from the ground and that has arsenic in it then the sweet potato that you're eating is going to have arsenic as well because it's absorbing it from that particular ground. So same with rice. Um, most rice in the United States will have contamination of heavy metals. So honestly, typically I suggest people usually get like basmati rice or something that's not from the United States because our just soil is just really contaminated. Okay. Um, any other metals that you would say? So you said mercury, lead, um, arsenic, uh, aluminum, um, any others that you would add to that list? Cadmium. I have seen cadmium. Um, that's a lot of the times from pesticides and fertilizers too. have that in there too. Uh, welding, um, 
you know, any type of heavy metals, like, well, well, like things like welding or, or, uh, building structures, cigarette smokes, um, batteries. So cadmium has been one that I've seen, um, a lot and, um, antimony, um, that (laughs) shockingly is on a lot of flame retardant pajamas for kids. Um, I actually was in Target and my, my oldest, um, loves Sonic the Hedgehog. So I picked up this pajama set and I was like, Oh, look. And then I was like reading the label to see like what size. And it said like flame retardant. And I was like, and we're putting that back on the shelf. Oh my gosh. You know, so unfortunately, you know, again, kids, they're sleeping in their pajamas for, or if you're in my kid, you're probably in your pajamas. 20 hours out of the day so you know i i make sure that you know whatever they're uh you know in you know is not flame retardant uh, pajamas or you know uh, uh you know so that's another one too yeah wow so for mercury you mentioned eating a lot of fish now so for this recommendation you know the bigger fish like the swordfish tuna like larger fish like king mackerel um, are those ones that you would recommend just kind of consuming in very much moderation? So, yeah, I mean, I get asked this a lot and it's really, I mean, the, the big fish, you know, like tuna and things like that, that are out in the ocean are going to be the ones that have higher amounts of mercury in them. Um, you know, I try to, you know, because we still need fish. I mean, fish is a, is a really beneficial food for us. Um, so I usually say if you can, you know, at least consume salmon, that would be the better of the ones. I would avoid tuna. Tuna is the one that has the highest amount of mercury in it. So, but if we could kind of, you know, stick to sardines anyone yeah I like sardines salmon not everyone's favorite though I like sardines sardines do not like me unfortunately I used to eat them all the time as a kid and then I used to get really really sick right after I ate them so I unfortunately can't eat sardines I do you know I I mean I grew up eating tuna too you know I mean my dad's a huge tuna fan like that was like you know and he grew up in the 50s and the 60s when tuna was a big thing um but tuna also comes in a tin can and, you know, now it comes in packages. So I typically say salmon, you know, I love fish, you know, it's really hard for me to give up fish. So I usually just say at least salmon, you know, you know, you don't want, you want any, you want things that are not, um, you know, farm raised and things like that, you know? So, you know, as long as you could do like an organic mercury, but things, you know, things like tuna and stuff, I would kind of stay away from, even though it is really beneficial, as long as you are, have really good detoxification pathways, um, then, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that it's so hard because it has so many great benefits. And I hate telling parents, like, don't feed your kid tuna or salmon, even though it has amazing benefits because of the contamination, but you can, you can limit it, you know, yeah. you can you know, once speak, yeah. And have a really good balance, you know, for that. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Cause yeah, there was a, you know, I talked to a lot of clients about eating omega threes and then, you know, this documentary comes out about seaspiracy and there's this concern of plastics and seafood. And it's like, it all comes back down to that concept of balance. Like don't consume, you know, canned tuna every single day. That shouldn't be your, your lunch every single day, but how can you balance right. it out with other fish? I, I love that. Um, so why do we, I mean, why do we have such a difficult time getting rid of these things? I mean, they're, they're sometimes you said naturally occurring in soil. Um, they're in industrial things or in our water. So we're, we're always exposed to them. We've always been exposed to them. We, we understand that, but so why, I mean, what, why is it becoming such an issue now and why are we having such a hard time getting rid of them? So that's a million dollar question for some, for some, it has to do with our poor detoxification pathway. Um, you know, you know, I know people have heard about MTHFR, you know, and things like that and poor methylation, poor, poor detoxification pathways. And it is a real thing. You know, I work with a lot of kids who come back who have really bad detoxification pathways and they just cannot get rid of the, 
the heavy metal. I mean, my son is one of them. Um, you know, if I tried a new supplement with him, he would maybe start stimming and vocal stimming and clapping. And, you know, you could tell it just would like go really high because his body can't metabolize and utilize the supplement like it's supposed to. So some people with MTHFR and, or MCOMP mutation, and, and there's, you know, it's not just one, it's not just one specific mutation. MTHFR is one of them. It's not the end all be all. Um, there are other factors that play along in it too, because, you know, my husband and I have similar um, genetics when it comes to MTHFR, but then I also have other issues with like comp mutation um, uh, my glutathione, uh, SNPs and things like that. And I have a really hard time with medications and I have a hard time detoxing. And my husband is somewhat similar in some of his SNPs, except for a few of them. And he's perfectly fine. And he can take whatever he never gets sick, you know? So we really do, you know, our, you know, whole body, we have to look at it as a whole, so is your gut working? Is your liver working? Is, you know, your detox pathways clear? Are you able to methylate correctly? And all those things come into play with kids right now. What I'm seeing is this huge imbalance, you know, and it stems unfortunately from birth, you know, um, and I hate saying this because it sounds negative, but it's, you know, C-sections versus vaginal births and breastfeeding versus formula feeding, um, you know, that is like your kid's huge role in creating their microbiome. So once you start throwing off or, or not providing the child with the right tools for the microbiome, it throws off the rest of the system moving forward. And then they could have this issue, you know, issue with detoxification because we need that whole balance to kind of work in our favor. You know, our diet, our Western diet is the worst for, you know, we eat uh, food and boxed foods and, you know, that sets your child up even further, you know, um, to having a difficult time with getting good nutrition and having the body work the way you want it to. So unfortunately, until we look at that big picture from start to finish and get the body into that homeostasis where it's working really, really great, we're just going to keep accumulating these toxins because our body's just not working the way we want them to. I love that you highlighted uh, the point about not just I think people can get very hyper fixated on like a genetic result or something. But as you said, like detoxification is a multi-step process or just a, it's a holistic process. There's different areas to focus on. You mentioned the gut, um, you mentioned genetic, you mentioned upregulating of certain cellular processes like glutathione, um, you know, detoxification with that. So, I mean, in terms of like treatment of this, I mean, where would someone start? Because, I think someone might listen to this episode and think, Oh, I just need to go on a detox. And, um, and that can be incredibly misleading, harmful, and, you know, ineffective. So what would you like, how would you respond to someone who would say that? Like, how do we get rid of these? So, so detox is actually a real medical term. I mean, if, if you accidentally overdose on medication, you go to the hospital, they pump you full of our activated charcoal and pump your stomach as a detox, you know, so it is a really legit, term if you know if kids have lead poisoning they go and they get a script from their doctor to detox the heavy metals out of their system so detox isn't really a neg it shouldn't scare you i mean if it's if it's something like someone's going to come to you and be like i'm going to put you on a 15 day juice cleanse detox yes run 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 cuz that's just not how this works um that's kind of what our society has taken and turned and, you know, detox, the, the real concept of detox into a, you know, not a negative thing. Um, but detox is, you know, and heavy metals, you have to understand one of the things is heavy, you know, people come to me and they're like, I have heavy metals. I need to detox. And I say, okay, what heavy metals do you have? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> or they, they give me a list. I'm like, okay, well, each heavy metal detoxes a little different than the other. So we have to actually look at, you have to test you, you, you know, the, the first step is, okay, let's test. Let's see what heavy metals you have in your system or possibly have in your system. Not one heavy metal test is going to be the most accurate. Unfortunately, there's no percentage of accuracy for heavy metals. There's um, hair test analysis, there's blood, and then there's urine collection. 
So heavy metals hide. They are not typically free floating in the system. Very rarely do I see and catch things that are unprovoked in a test um, just because of the fact that they're embedded. Like I said, with that study, they found aluminum pooled in areas of the brain because it's sitting in there and it's hiding in the brain. It's hiding in your muscles. It's hiding in your tissues and your fat cells. It's not going to be free floating. Uh, some, you know, you will catch, um, you know, like, you know, lead is, is a better test for pulling blood than you would in a, um, you know, urine test or, um, so you can use, I use, sometimes I'll use two tests. I'll do, you know, either maybe a hair, I'll maybe do urine, um, or maybe urine and blood. So it honestly just really, really depends on, you know, the person and what we're trying to catch. So we'll do, we'll try to see what heavy metals you're contaminated with, but the first step and you know, that's the hard part is you could have heavy metals and you could come to me and you're like, I need to detox heavy metals. And I go, okay, what does your gut look like? And they'll be like, but I need to detox heavy metals. And I say, that's great. But if you have leaky gut, if you have a, a low rich environment of, of commensal uh, species in your, in your gut, we can't detox heavy metals. It's just going to recirculate. It's, it's not going to actually rid you of the issue that you have because we need to start with the gut. We need to start with the liver. We, we need to get your body working properly to start the process naturally. And then we can kind of support and give you that, you know, cushion to detox the rest of the heavy metals after we have the gut working, the liver working, your, your kidneys are functioning correctly and your whole body, you know, you're just feeling better because if you're detoxing and you feel like, crap, then, you know, it's only going to make you worse. It's not going to make you feel better, especially if you have poor pathways. Yeah. I, I see this a lot in terms of like the stool testing that I do and someone will say, Oh, I have a parasite and they'll say, okay, let's kill it off. And, and you know, we look at their immune function and we look at the richness of their uh, gut bacteria. And I said, no, we, we're going to spend at least three to six months building you up before we kill that off, because, you know, it's, it's building your body to the point where it's strong enough to do that. And I think that's a really important thing to recognize is that you just don't go in and treat something that comes up that's flagged or negative or positive. You have to support the system before you do that or else, you know, what can happen. And this is this, you'll have to confirm this, but what, you know, things like you liberate these toxins and then what you can just end up storing them back in your fat cells or just recirculating them back in the body where they're just going to continue to accumulate. Right. Yeah. Chelating heavy metals is not easy. Um, a lot of the, the, the misinformation is that when you chelate heavy metals that they won't, recirculate into the system. And unfortunately that can happen if it's not done correctly and your body's not working and doing what it needs to do. Um, you know, again, when we talk about our microbiome, our microbiome had like specific commensal, you know, like lactobacillus and bifidobacteria actually help neutralize heavy metals. They actually help absorb some of their toxic elements and actually make them less toxic to the human body. Cause that's what they do. That's what our, our gut is supposed to help us and fight for us and do what it needs to do. And if it's not in a state where it can do that, if you don't have a rich environment of specific commensal um, microorganisms, it's not going to function. So we need to make sure that the gut is in a prime state. You don't have leaky gut. You don't have inflammation. You don't have pathogens because unfortunately parasites, pathogens, they love heavy metals. They feed on heavy metals. It actually gives them energy. So you know, we're, we don't want to feed them any more than we already are. So that's, that's another thing as well. We have to make sure that we are in a good state to start detoxing heavy metals. We have to, we have to walk before we run. And I say it's a process and I know it could be really frustrating and really annoying sometimes to have to wait six to nine months before we actually tackle heavy metals. But shockingly, once I start just with the basics, just with, you know, getting the gut working, getting the micronutrients and macronutrients on point, supporting the system and, you know, decreasing oxidative stress, increasing their glutathione, 
we will retest in six to nine months and you will see that a lot of the times their heavy metals have already started to go down. It might not be a drastic change, but you could see that the body's like, okay, I got this now. Like I can start, you know, and then now we can support to get the rest of the heavy metals out. And then you could see the body really take off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Right. Because um, a lot of people, especially on social media, will say, oh, if you have a liver and a kidney, then you're detoxing. It's like, well, yes. I mean, our bodies, yes, they are detoxing every day. And if they aren't, that's obviously a medical issue. Um, but to what efficiency is that happening? And, and it's important to note that. And like you said, like macronutrients, right? Protein, mm -hmm. carbohydrates, sulfur-containing compounds, you know, those stages of detoxification that we need to support through just diet. But Correct me if I'm wrong, but diet alone cannot cannot be the cure for this heavy metal accumulation. It's it's really hard um, to see heavy metals go down with just diet, especially with kids who aren't the greatest of eaters. Um, you know, with adults, it might be a little bit easier to help, you know, with if you just stuff them with cilantro or, you know, things like that to naturally detox, like maybe they'll, they'll start doing that. But with kids, it's a little bit trickier. And you made a good point. You know, I, I, I hear it all the time. Oh, you have a litter, liver, you have a gallbladder, I mean, detox organs, but for kids, that's really different. Um, your liver actually isn't fully formed to about anywhere between 18 and 21. Hence our drinking age is 21 um, because that's typically when our liver is fully functionable. The gallbladder is typically from what I've gathered and I haven't gotten like a concise, it's typically like over the age of like four or five, your gallbladder is almost fully formed. But then we have people who have no gallbladders all the time. They take mm. them out you know, um, you know, gallbladders burst, they become infected or whatever. So I've worked with many people who actually don't have a gallbladder, which actually then inhibits them even further. So yeah, we have detoxification organ. Our liver is one of the hardest working organs that gets the most taxed so quickly and easily. So, you know, as much as, you know, people can say, but your liver will detox everything. Yeah, it will. It's a really great vital organ that we need, but you need to be kind to it. And many times we are not kind to our, to our liver. So that's a problem when it comes to trying to detox, you know, have anything, heavy metals, um, toxins, environmental toxins, mold. We have to be nice to our liver. Yeah. I think it, I think of it like, this is so random, but I think of it like a CEO of a company or something, right? Like the CEO of the company, he can do all these things and like, he can get it done eventually. But if you put all the work on him without any support, right, it's, it's going to be very difficult to get all those things yeah. done and likely they won't get done. So thinking about it from just a kind of common sense standpoint, right. Of, you know, there, there's a lot going through this organ and we need to give it some, some extra attention sometimes. Yeah. It, and, and, you know, our, our liver is the main organ to help with making toxins less toxic, mm -hmm. you know, so they, it metabolizes toxins to make it so that we can detox them properly and efficiently so that they don't harm us. So, you know, sometimes when we're, our Western diet, unfortunately, is just not in our favor for our gut and liver health at all, you know, so that's part of the problem of why we're seeing so much more taxation on the gut. You know, we have more people with leaky gut, more people with issues, you know, autoimmune issues, any, you know, you know, just everything, you know, is just diving down where, you know, more and more people are coming to us because they're sick and they're not getting help from mainstream medicine. I want to say, because they just don't know what to do. They don't, they, they don't see this part of, you know, the back end, you know, where we can say, okay, let's go back to the beginning. And that's where we kind of have to do. And I've met <clears throat> practitioners who will attack heavy metals first. And that, you know, again, that's your prerogative to, to do it that way, but it doesn't necessarily fix the problem long-term. And then you can create more of a problem if you're still not going back to basics and, and fixing the rest of the system first. It's like, you know, it's like fixing a broken car, you know, the, the car needs an engine, but you're just kind of changing some of like the battery real quick, mm -hmm. you know, but you still need an engine, but you're just changing the battery to make it last a little bit longer. 
if you're not doing the basics, like you cannot expect yourself to go and address the the red flags here. Like that's just not something you can do. And so I'd love to talk about some dietary strategies. Um, like you mentioned certain chelators like um, cilantro, which I love, I like make salads out of cilantro and um, they're really delicious. But I mean, what are some foods that, you know, just thinking of somebody who maybe hasn't gotten to the level of like neurological issues or, um, you know, thyroid issues or certain things that, that can, can come from, you know, high levels of exposure of heavy metals, but someone who's just average everyday human wanting to kind of, um, maximize this detoxification process and have some natural dietary things to, to have. Yeah. So again, our, like I said, our Western diet isn't you know, the nicest and kindest to us. And one of the things that we miss that many other countries uh, don't is our herbs and our Mm. flavors. We like, you know, it's really funny, you know, in the space that I work particularly with kids, you know, parents, literally what they give their kids is chicken nuggets, pizza, um, French fries, crackers, uh, you know, just those bland foods. And I say, okay, what does your kid eat that might have a spice? Oh, my kid loves Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> your kid likes spice. Like, you know, sometimes we we completely miss that people have sophisticated palates, and especially kids. If you never give your kid um, any type of herbs or spices and something that you cook, then they don't, they, they don't understand what it is. But once they find something that they like, it's like, Ooh, you know, that's amazing. So I'm like, if your kid will eat cool ranch Doritos, you need to start making something and adding in any type of garlic, ginger, and onion. Boom. Just simple. But we, th- those are some of your highest antioxidant property foods that we completely miss from our diet a lot of the times. I am not the biggest fan of onions. I am not the biggest fan of garlic, but I know that I do have to add them in something that I'm cooking, even if it's just for some flavor, but because I know that that property, that what they have is, is so beneficial to my health. And, you know, if you look at other countries that use things like curry and, you know, all those really flavorful herbs and spices and stuff, they tend to have a lot better health status than, you know, us, because we, we miss that, you know, unfortunately at home cooking isn't a thing anymore. A lot of the times it's hard. It's a, it's a quick thing, but you can still get a lot of those sulfur containing compounds, anything with sulforaphane in it, broccoli sprouts, you know, those types of things. So, you know, getting, you know, flooding the system with a, a lot of those, those herbs, the onions, the garlic, you know, that's, that's key um, to just start somewhere. Cause that's going to, that's going to help your microbiome. It's going to help any, against any type of specific gut pathogens that you can actually kind of keep in check with those particular herbs and spices as well. Um, green tea is one of my favorite things, whether it just be, you know, a little, you know, a tea bag and some water, you know, you know, even for your kids, it's, it's a great antioxidant, has great antioxidant properties, it supports the liver. And basically, essentially, what you're trying to do with these types of food is support the microbiome and support the liver. And that's kind of where it starts. And then you can kind of work your way into other things if you wanted to do like um, ginseng or licorice or, you know, other types of you know, royal jelly, if you wanted to go, you know, that route into other types of dietary supplements, you can, um, you know, but I don't suggest them until you start just getting your diet under control, you know, kind of trying to hit what I always try to explain to patients is to try to hit 40 different whole foods a week, Mm. different types of fruits and vegetables, because that's really the only way you're going to start really balancing your microbiome is to hitting 40 whole foods of fruits, vegetables, grains, and stuff like that per week. That is important for your, your whole entire system. Yeah. I think one of the things that's really fun for me is, um, you know, I have clients, even if they're picky eaters and I work with mostly adults, um, you know, we're, 
we're kind of coming up with, okay, so what do you like, what is your time frame this week in terms of meal prep? Like, what do you have time to cook? And then I get to put together like a few different recipe ideas for them. And every single week I'm picking like a different new vegetable or a different new spice and incorporating it. And they don't even necessarily know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of saying like, you know, this might look good. You might like this. It takes five minutes to make and they try it. And they're like, you, you know, most of the time, Hey, that's, that's not too bad. And, um, getting some variety in and, and what that can offer. For, for gut health um, is so important and fermented vegetables, you know, things like that of throwing some, you know, pickled carrots on top of like a taco or something and, uh, you know, or getting fermented pickles and, and enjoying those on a sandwich or something. Those are all good ways to support, you know, natural gut detoxification um, I love how you mentioned garlic and onion. I think a lot of people, um, you know, the low FODMAP diet can be uh, a big um, challenge for some people. And that's why I don't often use a very strict um, low FODMAP diet. And obviously addressing root causes of digestive issues is important. But I see people who have been following those lo those low FODMAP diets for like three to five years, which it's only yeah. meant to be a short-term diet. And then you're missing out on all these amazing prebiotics um, and, and herbs and spices that could be assisting your body to naturally, you know, do what it needs to do. So I work with a lot of people to help their, their bodies come back from those things as well. Um, so that's, yeah, that's I, can, I can usually tell when someone's been on a FODMAP diet, when I do their gut test. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very, very low, low, Thank good you. bacteria. Even, even that or keto, paleo, I mean, I can tell, I can look at their microbiome and go, what diet are you following a keto diet or a paleo diet or a low FODMAP? And they'll be like, yeah, I have been. I'm like, okay, this, this is the problem. Now you created a problem. We cannot remove whole food groups. Okay. It's in our whole microbiome, different components are, you know, are, needing these specific food groups, fats, proteins, carbs, fruits, vegetables. We, we, once you eliminate a whole food group, you, you damage one part of the microbiome. And, and people don't realize that. I know you probably feel better, you know, not eating carbs, but there are other carbs that you could eat that you don't probably are aware of that are really, you know, like, for instance, your short chain fatty acids, when you eat no carbs, no starches, you decrease your short chain fatty acids. And short chain fatty acids reduce inflammation in your GI tract and help to prevent you from getting leaky gut. So this is huge. And I think um, I am very, I, I wouldn't call myself anti any specific diet because I, I meet clients where they are, but I'm definitely, I definitely have an anti-diet approach. I don't see it benefiting anyone's gut microbiome for the long term, unless it's because they haven't addressed an underlying root cause like SIBO or something where yes, they've, it's kind of like your car example, like you're, you're maybe changing the battery by following that diet, but you're not actually fixing the engine. Yeah. And, and, the, and, you know, and again, I'm not, you know, with kids with autism, they're typically on some type of diet. They're either grain, uh, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, corn-free. I mean, we, we, and this is just for, for inflammation and brain function, you know, that they have to be on these particular diets and that's perfectly fine. But I work with them to make sure that when we remove those whole food groups, they're getting other supplements from other areas so that that's not impacting the microbiome. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I will, I will also kind of second that is that there are people that I work with who do have to follow gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free diet, not maybe all the above. Some people maybe, but, um, that doesn't mean that you, you go low carb or you go keto. There's certain ways around that. And so I'm glad mm -hmm. you highlighted that. Um, so you talked about the testing, you talked about the hair, the urine, the red blood cell, it's kind of individualized there. Um, we talked about kind of how to detox. Um, so is there anything else that you would add that people should know? I mean, I know fasting has become a really popular thing. Um, and I think there's this concept of like, you know, upregulating cellular processes and autophagy and things like that. What are your thoughts on fasting and feel free to. I'm not the biggest fan of intermittent fasting. I, you know, I've read some of the research out there when it comes to the, the, the research is the most of the research I should say is with significantly obese people who 
um, you know, when they do intermittent fasting, they're essentially just cutting their calories. That's, you know, part of it as well. Um, you know, I have other dietitians, you know, I'm not a weight loss dietitian. Um, I, I don't like anything that has to do with weight loss. I have trouble with myself. Um, you know, because I just, I, I just never had, that passion for it. I liked other types of, you know, the, the nutrition stuff when it comes to stuff like this and how, you know, nutrition helps the body detox. But, um, with intermittent fasting, I have seen it work for some people and they say they feel better. They do great. And listen, by all means, you know, there's so many different diets out there, you know, and I think, you know, depending on that person, if that diet works for you, fantastic. As long as you're still eating, and, you know, getting the proper nutrition by all means. But I have an issue when people just start removing whole food groups, you know, um, without knowing what they're really doing. And that's why they invented us, you know, and I'm glad that we're dietitians. I'm glad that, you know, we understand this component of it so we can help people. But I think we're underutilized a lot of times where people are just jumping on the bandwagon to diets. They're like, oh my gosh, it works. And then all of a sudden something breaks down and something doesn't work anymore. And now we have an issue because that diet didn't, you know, work it only worked for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I definitely can, can agree on the, the side of, I have never been passionate about weight loss. Um, it's not something that, you know, I think there's so much more to it and, um, focusing on how you feel, right. How's your gut, how's your mental health, how's, you know, how's your energy levels, things like that are, are so much more important. And, Um, and I think they don't get enough attention compared to, to weight change. Um, so, I mean, in terms of like advice for people, if they're, um, looking for maybe like three takeaways, are there three main takeaways that you would give the listener for optimizing their detoxification pathways? Um, I don't think we really talked about like emotional or physical stress, but I mean, I know that those can also play a role into it, but um, you know, any advice there? Yeah. So, I mean, when I work with kids, I, I have to remind parents that kids are just as much as under as much stress as you are as an adult, as an, you know, us as adults, we are business owners. We work full time. We have a family to feed. You know, we might not be sleeping great. Like, you know, all those things that affect us as adults actually affect children as well. And we kind of miss that component. We have to de-stress. And we are just living in a society of just high stress. And that's not working for anyone's microbiome right now as at all, you know, either. So my thing right now is if you think heavy metals are affecting you, and and it really could be. I mean, people with, I, I've worked with people with hormone issues, PCOS and stuff like that. They have heavy metal detox load. Kids with autism, ADHD, detox load. People with early onset Alzheimer's, dementia, toxic load, you know, heavy metals. So if you think heavy metals could be a problem, it really could be. You can start with testing, but if you're going to test, also test your microbiome and let's, and, and start there because we cannot detox without getting the body prepped and ready and in a good state first. And then we can tackle everything else down the road. So you can hundred percent test and see where you're at and see what, you know, how you're doing. That's a great, like, just so you know, and you can put your mind at ease and go, okay, yes, I do have high amounts of aluminum and you can start making those dietary changes, maybe not using aluminum foil, not avoiding cans and, you know, um, you know, anything that comes from a can, um, you know, whatever it could be, mercury, maybe it's your amalgam fillings and you want to get them removed, um, decreasing your amount of fish. So you could definitely test to see where you're at. So you can see what your avoidance areas, because you definitely want to avoid bioaccumulating any more of those heavy metals than you already have. Mm. Also test your gut. Let's see where your gut is and let's see how we can get your gut to a really good spot so that we can start detoxing down the, 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 the road and start like putting into some of these um, interventions. Maybe you need DMSA, you know, DM, DMSA or ALA or, you know, any zeolites or, or cilantro, you know, we can add those things in at any point in time when 
and you feel that you're ready to, and your detoxification pathways are open. So you could definitely test to just see where you're at, but definitely throw in a, a gut test too, to see where you're at too. That's great advice. Thank you for that. Um, this was, I mean, this was incredibly informative and um, I hope the listeners um, have taken away some really good messages out of here. I know that I've even learned a lot from you. So thank you for being in this field and for doing what you do. And it's, it's, it's incredible to hear your passion about how you got into this and, and what motivates you, because uh, I think it's, it's just nice to hear those stories and it makes, you know, makes, I'm sure people listening could probably relate or pass this episode on to someone who could relate um, and that will help somebody for sure. So mm-hmm. most important question of the episode is what is your favorite childhood memory with food? Oh my gosh. So I, my mom grew up in Ticonderoga Lake George. Um, and we used to spend our summers there every year since I was a kid that I could remember there was a, um, there is, I think it's still, there is an ice cream place that when you order a large ice cream, it was in a cone and it literally was about three feet tall. And I remember, you know, playing a, you know, we had, my mom knew about it. My, no one else knew about it. So she ordered a large and came out holding it to, for my dad. And it literally was like the size of my arm, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid and I'll never forget my dad, like looking at it going, we have to eat all this. Like, but it was just like, it was like a fun, you know, I, I, that to me was like one of the best like memories that I can remember. Cause I remember being a kid and you just see this big, tall thing of ice cream. You couldn't believe how it's actually on the uh, like holding into the cone and how tall it was but that was that was like what they were known for back then that's so that's so fun we we actually had an ice cream place just like that it was um I think it was Kimball Farm or something and you just the portion sizes were unreal and like you remember being a kid and your mom would be like okay only three scoops of ice cream you're like uh-huh. you know you you go there and you're like oh I'll get a kitty size and they're like oh we'll give you a kitty size like <laughs> and you're just so excited right it's um that's awesome I love that memory yeah I remember like getting a like if you got like a kid small it was like a like a large ice cream it was <laughs> yeah. just like ridiculous like crazy and I just remember being a kid going this is great <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Where can people find you if they want to work with you or just learn more? Yeah. So um, I have my, I have an Instagram, Facebook and website. It's biomedical healing for kids. Um, dot com. And then you can find me on um, Instagram and Facebook at Biomedical Healing for Kids. I post a lot of great content um, and I try to be very active in my Facebook group. I have almost 4,000 people in my Facebook group that I connect with. Um, so you can always ask questions. You can always PM me privately. Um, and, um, and I'm constantly just posting, um, having, you know, I do free lectures and things like that too. So I'm always trying to be active and, and giving back as much as I can. That's amazing. Wow. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing. And I'll be sure to link all your resources in the show notes. And I'll also be sure to share um, your information that you share on social media platforms so that it can get out to more people who need it. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Talk to you later, Greer. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you are interested in working one-on-one with me, you can go to nutritionrewired.com. My group coaching program for September is completely booked. There will be another one coming out soon. And on my website, you can also find my cookbooks, which are all gut-friendly cookbooks, and my lab-certified CBD oil. The Sleep Blend in particular has been getting raving reviews. Thanks again, and as always, don't forget to share the health.